Do you know what to do with life's burdens? Do you really know? I want to help you today. This is a practical sermon, one you need to get down inside as well as on the back of your bulletin so you'll never forget it. So I hope you will make some notes. As Jack Hayford said the other morning when he was speaking in our chapel, it just makes him feel so much more secure when people are writing things down that he's really saying something significant. And if you don't have a pencil, just take your finger and like you're doing something on the face of your bulletin. Takes care of all of my insecurity, he said. <laughs> Thank you. Along with Psalm 55, verse 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Let me add the words of Job in chapter 5, verse 7. Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. None of us live very long without becoming aware of life's burdens. All of us are subject to them. We all have burdens. A typical week for me could be the lady telling me of terminal cancer. The young man who says his wife seems to have lost her love for him and wants to leave. The businessman who says, Pastor, it's just not going well and I, I don't know what to do. Or the housewife who says, I just don't feel fulfilled anymore. And sometimes, because of my position with the Assemblies of God, it's a minister who comes to see me who says, how do I cope with the problems and pressures of ministry? We're, none of us, aloof from it, removed from it, none of us at all. The difference in the character of life between people is largely determined by how we choose to cope with our burdens. And that's why I want to share these thoughts with you today. The Bible speaks very clearly on the subject, but few of us have taken time to sift out what the Bible says. Give me, the world says, a formula. So I want to do that today. I want to be a physician that will come and heal you today. I want to be a counselor and consider this one massive counseling session where we can all learn how to handle life's burdens. The first way is found in Galatians chapter 6 verse 5 where the Apostle Paul makes a startling statement, and you don't want me to tell it to you, but I must. He said, let every man bear his own burden. We don't like that. We will much more enjoy the second one, which I'm going to hold for a few moments. We would rather go to number three, which I'll hold for a few more moments than number two. 
Number one is difficult to handle. Let every man bear his own burden. What is he saying? There is a sense in which each of us faces life for himself absolutely alone. Have you found it that way? Sure. We look around and recognize that life does not deal with us equally. There is a family in this church that I have used as an example in other places I have ministered. Since being here in this city, I have seen them cope with one thing after another like a family I've never seen before. I mean heavy burdens one after another and continue to this very moment with burdens. But they're here all the time. Their hands are raised in worship to God. They are ministering to others, even though it seems to me that life has dealt more difficult circumstances to them than most all of us in this family. I don't understand that. I just know it's that way. Perhaps it's because we are not equally capable of bearing them. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians that God will not place upon us any more than we are able to bear. He can trust some of us with more than he can trust to others. Perhaps that is the equalizer. Whatever the reason, there is a sense in which all of us deals with life alone, personally. That is why Paul wrote to Timothy in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 18, and said to him, War a good warfare. Fight a good fight. When you're hit head on, handle it well. Come out swinging, Timothy. Don't let life knock you over. Fight back. War, a good warfare. We're not treated in life with a powder puff, folks. It's warfare. It's, it's a struggle. And in the warfare, there's no discharge for any of us. Now, let me help you further by two points under number one. Where hardships come from are normally from two sources and two alone. The first is what we call satanic forces. Many people do not really understand the work of the underworld. In Isaiah 14, you will discover that when Lucifer lifted himself up to be equal with God and was driven from heaven because of his pride, one-third of the angelic hosts fell to earth with him. They were cast out into the earth. One-third of the angels are now fallen angels. And we refer to them as the forces of Satan. And they're all over. They plague people night and day. They are assigned by their commander to go out and afflict and oppress people. 
And because of that, hardships develop. The Bible says that the devil is an accuser of the brethren. He is your adversary. He's my adversary. He's not happy with Glenn Cole at all. He would like to destroy me. But I have angelic hosts who have not fallen, outnumbering them two to one. Hallelujah. And that blesses me. Now, when I read Ephesians 6, I learn that I must do something because of this satanic host, and it is simply stated in these words, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And the armor is all listed, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, it's all there. And when you put on the armor of God, the satanic host cannot hit you. They cannot penetrate. Glory to God. You don't need to go around, oh, 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 he's after me, oh, I never do that. Because those that are for me are more than they that are against me. Hallelujah. Wonderful to know that. I always like to win. I'm a very poor loser. God did not make me to lose. He made me to win. And so he has put into the laws of the universe a way that we can do that. Always triumphing in Christ. No child of God is capable of standing up under the burden the enemy can inflict on his own strength or power. We have angelic hosts. We have spiritual weaponry. We are not to be a pansy. We're to get the armor on and fight the good fight of faith. So be aware of it. Second area that our hardships come from is simply natural forces, satanic and natural forces. Simply put, life is hard business at times, wouldn't you say? We're not exempt from natural forces. Just recently, viruses have been invading the church. I mean, people have been laid low by viruses. That's natural. We're all surrounded by these germs, bugs, and we pick them up from time to time. We are not immune to them. They are part of the natural surrounding, and we have to cope with it. From time to time, we have people within our fellowship that are killed on a road or a highway because of the negligence of somebody else. And because of natural forces and natural causes, there's hardship that is brought to bear upon families and people. We cannot escape that. We're simply not immune to the tragedy of man's faults or the consequences of his sins. Just to encourage you, I read in the paper the other day that Oral and Evelyn Roberts had a car accident in Los Angeles. Now, isn't that encouraging? God's man of faith and power. And they're great people, but, you know, they're not immune. And how long ago was it that their daughter and son-in-law were killed in a plane crash? Why, you would think God would do better than that for Oral Roberts, wouldn't you? 
Why, after all, he's built the city of faith. You see, the point is that we are all under natural causes. We're not immune. And we have to face that reality. Now, I was reading the Bible one day, the Sermon on the Mount. I had not seen this before. Oh, I had read it many times, but I'd never seen it in this light. I was reading along and... Blessed are they, blessed are they. Oh, it's marvelous. You're the salt of the, amen. You're the light of the, amen. Oh, glory to God, promises. Ask and you shall, amen, Lord. Marvelous words. And then I came to the end of chapter 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus starts talking about storms and rain and wind and houses falling down. And I say, wait a minute. Are you with me? Right at the end, he said, hey, the winds are going to blow and the rains are going to fall and the floods are going to come. And he gave us two pictures, a house on a sand and a house on rock. And what happens to the house depends upon which it is built. Suddenly the Holy Spirit let me see it. Whoever we are, wherever we live, the winds will be there, the rains will fall, the floods will come, but we have the opportunity to build on rock or sand, and when we choose rock, He is there, and we stand and we never have to read, great was the fall of it. Because he's there to protect and help us through. Hallelujah. The man who arms himself with the whole armor of God will stand in spite of all the devil can do to make him fall. Now maybe some of you feel like this fellow who, whose mother was having a hard time getting her son to go to school. He said to her, Mom, nobody likes me at school. The teachers don't and the kids don't. The superintendent wants to transfer me. The bus drivers hate me. The custodians have it in for me, and the school board wants me to drop out. I mean, that's serious. His mother insisted, you've got to go. She said, you're healthy. You have a lot to learn. You've got something to offer others. You're a leader. Besides, she said, you're 49 years old and you're the principal. <laughs> oh, I was listening to a tape of a minister this week, 45 years old, Pastors a church of over a thousand. He's looked up to as a man of God. And his whole tape was how his life fell apart, midlife crises. And here I am, 48. And where did 45 go to? I didn't have that. I'm not suffering like he's suffering. Man, he blew me away. It was so bad, he said he went out walking late one night to try to figure out what to do, and here's what he came up with. Resign your church, leave your wife the power of attorney, and leave and change your name. 
That's what he went back to the house to do. Man of God, pastor of a church, 45 years old. God spoke to his heart and gave him a thought that held him back from doing it. And now he's well and healed. But it's a very real thing, isn't it? There are times when you just have to fight the good fight all by yourself. You bear your own burden. And you go and face it. Knowing that God in his heaven will not allow more to come. And you yourself are not able to bear. He talked about trying to play handball. And I related to it. He said he sees the ball coming and his mind says, get it. And his body says, who are you trying to kid? Oh, I can relate to that. Out playing the speed the light basketball game, man, I see plays I used to make just like that. Now I'm 10 steps behind. Wonderful to see them, but can't get there to do it. So at each interval of life, we have to face certain things alone, bear our own burden. I think about the POWs in Vietnam and how almost every one of them came back and said how they, as they faced the hardship, it was a scripture verse. It was something they wrote on a piece of paper, a tap between the wall. They were sustained as they had this concept that God had made them human beings and he loved them and somehow they could make it through. And they did. Now, the second thing is a lot more exciting. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, where Paul said, bear one another's burdens. Oh, now we're talking. We can't expect other people to bear that part of our burden that we should be bearing ourselves. We cannot pathetically cry, won't you please come and bear my burden so I won't have any? It doesn't work that way. But there are times when life's burden should be mutually borne by believers. And how wonderful to be in a family like this. Just look around you at the hundreds of people that can help bear your burden. And it's a very real thing. Now, no one can feel the weight of your burden like you can, but we can help. And how does it work? To me, it works this way. When tragedy strikes, a person does not want another to come and try to take away the tragedy. What they really want is for somebody to just stand there and show that they care. And that's what Paul means when he says, bear ye one another's burdens. Just stand there and show that you care. Why, I have gone in response to emergency situations and haven't said anything. I've just taken somebody by the hand, my tears mingling with their tears, just sat there or just stood there with them for a period of time, and months later they have written me or come to me and with joy have said, oh, you'll never know what you did. Well, what did I do? Nothing but to be there. I remember this morning as I was a 12-year-old boy and standing in front of my father's casket, broken-hearted, tears streaming down my cheeks, 
even at that age, wondering about the future without a father, when suddenly I was aware of a hand on my head, and it was a big hand, and I was aware of a great big leg right next to mine, and through my tears I looked up and saw my pastor, Dwight McLaughlin, standing by my side, his big hand on my head, and he didn't say anything, but I saw his tears coming down with mine. And I remember slipping my hand around his big leg, that's all I could reach. And we stood there together, crying. I'll never forget it, as long as I live. All he did was stand there and put his hand on my little toe head and give me something to lean on. And it was enough. It was enough. And I was all right. There is another side to this second point that is so beautiful to me, and that is I have discovered that every time I go to help lift somebody else, I am lifted. My burdens fade away. Mine seem to be as nothing when I reach out to somebody else. And if you want my opinion in this counseling session, the reason so many people are sick and there are so many people committing suicide, they have never reached out to another. They're just filled with all of their ills and all of their woes, and they conduct daily pity parties, and they never see anybody as being worse off than they are, and they get very, very sick. Those of you who are watching us by television, the best thing you could do if that's you is to pick up the telephone and call somebody else and ask about their well-being. See what you can do to help them. Let them know you thought of them today and you will be healed when you do that. All of us can experience that. Our problems diminish. Our mountain somehow fades away when we look at somebody else's mountain and try to help them climb it and get over it or through it or around it in some way. Bear ye one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Could I give you some sound advice? Those of you who work out there in the world, some of you who sell, some of you business people, all of us in some way, when you walk into a shop to get something and somebody says, can I help you? As against the person in a shop I went in the other day who said, hello, what do you want? I'm not sure I want anything now. Oh, what a difference. When we get out of self and into others. How beautiful when you're helped by a clerk to say, hey, thank you. God bless you. You've just helped my day a great deal. You will leave them standing muttering to themselves. <laughs> and they'll talk about it for days because our world is so opposed to that by their actions these days. How is it going to change? We are the salt. We are the light. We are to bear one another's burdens. We are to reach out, and in so doing, we ourselves get healed.
So there's a double effect. Isn't that glorious how God has arranged that? You've got that one now, haven't you? Easy. Third one is Psalm 55, 22. We read it. Cast your burden upon the Lord. There it is. My formula. That's all I can find in the whole Bible. Just those three simple steps. There are times you have to bear it all alone. We are to be looking out for each other, and all of us must remember Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Hallelujah. Regardless of how strong you are or how much help you get from others, there comes a time when you feel you must cast your burden upon the Lord. Isn't that right? You just have to get alone and have it out with God. And that is as it should be. Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 5, 7, when he said, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. This has to be one of the most neglected exhortations of all the exhortations in the Bible, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. There is no way that anybody can be with another going through their hardship 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. There's no way that can work as much as we would like it to work. We cannot go live with one another and help one another through our hardships and stay tied to the other side, except one. His name is God. He's everywhere. He is the provider. He is the sustainer. He is the almighty one. He is Emmanuel, God, with us. Casting your care upon him. Reading through Hebrews another time, I discovered that God at different times in the past spoke to man through the prophets. But then he said, in these last days he hath spoken to us by his Son, which means that none of the methods worked in the past. So he sent flesh to us. He sent bone and blood and flesh to planet Earth so that we could link to something. We could touch something. We could reach out and know that God was always there. So he sent Jesus to this planet so that we would know God walks where we walk, feels what we feel. Jesus hungered, thirsted. He died. He knows everything about us. So he hath spoken to us by his Son, which means he can relate to every single area of our life. Isn't that marvelous? God wants us to cast our care on him. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, took our place. Now, regardless of how you feel about God, I want you to know how God feels about you. God loves you. You're important to God. You're vital to God. He loves you in spite of 
what you may think about him. You may not even think he exists, if that be true. I don't know what you're doing here today, but welcome. Happy, happy, happy to have you here. You may be glued to the television for some reason and not know why. You may not even believe in God, but he believes in you. He cares about you. He's given you breath. He's given you a heartbeat, blood, veins. He cares. And you're alive because of him. Now give your life to him. There are those of you who have come to Christ years before who somehow got into the idea that after you were forgiven by him, you were supposed to be an angel with a halo, and every time you sin, God's going to be mad at you, and you don't see him now in this loving capacity. Listen, he still loves you. Get rid of that idea that you've got to cross every T and dot every I just so, or God's going to whoop one on you. That's not the God I read of in the Scriptures. Sure, he punishes for sin. He has to to be just. But he's a God of love and mercy, and it stretches to the ends of the earth. Love can be trusted. If I believe Pastor Maddox loves me, and I do, then anything he would put in front of me, I could eat. Now, someone would come and say, ah, 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 I think there's strychnine in that. I would say, you're full of baloney because he loves me and he's not going to put strychnine in anything he puts in front of me. Right? Absolutely. Love can be trusted. So when you know God loves you, you know he's not going to put anything in your way that's going to destroy you. He's going to put everything in your way to lift you and to help you even when you don't do it right. I don't suspect Bob believes I do everything right, but he loves me. So he's only going to do for me what is good for me in his power to do. And so it is with our beneficent, loving Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. That's why we can cast all of our care upon him, because he cares for us. What a wonderful release that is. This week I got a letter in the mail from Jerry Graham of his farm. It's a, a printed letter. It wasn't personal. It's sent out to all who help support his work. And in his letter there was a story of Mary Beth from the Time magazine, and I read it and wept. The police found Mary Beth huddled naked in one corner of a small, filthy, foul-smelling bedroom. One thin little wrist was tied securely to a bedpost with an electric cord. Her frail body was a mass of bruises and welts. An ugly black and blue swelling had closed one of her eyes. Her lip was split and her mouth swollen. As the authorities carried her carefully away, Mary Beth saw her mother and said, Mommy, if I die, then will you love me? For Mary Beth, there never was a time for love, but with God there is always love. It is unconditional. It is based on his eternal promise. 
He will not lie. He has made an oath with us. He will sustain us. That is what the Word says. And even though trouble flies upward like the sparks, we have God's eternal Word that He will never, never leave us nor forsake us. It's not like this world's flimsy, frail, sick love that's based on emotion rather than fact. It's not like Mary Beth's mother. How could it ever be? I cannot even comprehend it. But we know it's all around us because of the fickleness of man and his unregenerate heart. But God is not that way. God is holy. God is just. God is love. It's his very nature. And he cannot help it. Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. Well, how you doing? Have you got it? There are times you're going to have to bear it all alone. There are times you're going to have to get somebody else just to cry on. And then there are times you're just going to have to do what I have told you before when I had to carry wood in from the woodshed as a boy. Oh, it was so heavy. And it was such a long walk. And sometimes one of those logs would fall on my toe. Oh, how wonderful when I got to the box on the back porch and could just go. I've learned to do that with God or I could never pastor this church. I could never be a minister. There are too many burdens, too many weights, too many problems, but I've learned. I have learned to cast my burden upon the Lord. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. And I am sustained and I'm healthy. I think inwardly and outwardly, as far as I know. And I had a checkup this week and he said, I said, I haven't missed a day of work since 1958. He said, you won't miss one for a long time to come, it looks like. I thank you, doctor. God bless you. God is so good to me. How is that? Letting go of the wood pile. There are some things I can't do. I can't live your life, so I'm not going to try. I can get up here and tell you how I think God wants you to live, but you're going to have to take it from me. I'll pray. I'll do everything I can. But I'm not going to carry that wood all the way over to, where do we live? Copper Tree Way. <laughs> Forgot my own address for a minute. <laughs> I just can't handle that. I've got to let God handle that. Now, you learn that too, will you? Now, in closing, I want to give you one more window to look through. It's called an illustration. I have very rarely, I could almost say, I don't even remember when I have had a prescription from a doctor. But I do know that the prescription is noted Rx, right? You see it in the window of the pharmacy, Rx. You know what that means? Do you know? You will now. It means take. Thou. Here 
here's the prescription, Rx, take thou. Do you good. So you go and get it filled, right? You take it, Rx, take thou. You don't get the prescription filled and go, sit it somewhere at home on a shelf. Take thou. So, take thou the great word of God in your mind. Take thou the great word of God in your heart. Let it dissolve deeply into your conscience, control center, your mind, your spirit, where your life pattern is formed, and let it start doing something for you. Here is my healing treatment for you today. Seven verses, seven prescriptions, seven RXs, seven take thou's. Mark them down, just the reference. I will tell you what they say. Here we are, gospels for you. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who is strengthening me. That takes us back to number one. There are some things we have to bear ourselves. I can do all glory to God. He's put it within me. I can do all things. Philippians 4.13. Prescription number two. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. How many minds in our society are troubled? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Rx, take thou. Number three. Psalm 23, 4. I will fear no evil. I don't have to go looking behind me, jumping here and there, worried about evil. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Now, I know you're with Pastor Cole, Lord, but me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Rx, take thou. I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. Teal number four. Luke 11, 9, and I say unto you, ask, and ye shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth unto him that knocketh. It shall be opened unto him. Take thou number five. John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Jesus said it. Rx number 6, Mark eleven twenty four. one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Whatsoever things ye desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Oh, what a pill. Whatever I desire when I pray. Rx number 7. I gave it to you earlier in the message. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth 
for you. My time is up. Our counseling session is over. I have prescribed for you what God has laid on my heart for this service. I wish I could walk with you homeward. Talk about it. Make sure it gets into your bone system. The marrow of your life. But I cannot so. I have to now trust the Holy Spirit. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to be doing that for every person in this building. Father, there have been burdens carried into this service, heavy ones, cares, and they're about to weight some people down. There are burdens of sin as well as other kinds of burdens. Let your healing spirit fill this sanctuary today and the television audience and the radio audience and those who listen by tape around the world. Bring your healing presence to them as we now pray together. Oh, Jesus Christ, healer of hearts, the one who is touched with everything we are touched with, come and heal us. Thank you. Thank you. While our heads are bowed, how many of you need Christ in your heart? I want to pray for you today. You came in a sinner. You want to leave a Christian?